0: It is so great to be here with you today. Mark and I are going to share this talk and we are continuing to to look in the series Live Like Jesus and we will together be looking at how we can demonstrate God's kingdom through healing. So some of you may have met met us but my name's Anna and my husband Mark, we lead the West site here at Vineyard Church Cardiff and this just started just over a year ago and we have loved as a community already there in the West gathering together in different ways, people who love Jesus and who want to serve him in their communities, workplaces and homes. So as we have a little look back at the series so far, we have looked at what part we can all play in demonstrating God's kingdom here on earth, where we've been challenged to try, whether this is just being kind, sharing our faith, encouraging others. And then last week, James looked at how we have the kingdom authority over darkness where we have been given the authority, as Jesus gave to us, having a kingdom mindset as we look to demonstrate who God is and his plan. So today, Mark and I will be looking specifically how we can pray for healing for those, of those that know Jesus or those that don't know him yet, and how we can demonstrate God's kingdom here in our lives and those lives around us. So some of you may have had loads of experience of praying for those around you and have seen them healed, but for lots of us this is not always our experience and we would love to journey with you and equip you to be able to try. So as we look to live like Jesus, we look to Jesus as the ultimate model in how to live. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom, he said the kingdom is at hand, he explained the kingdom in parables and stories. And he demonstrated the kingdom in healing and miracles. Jesus demonstrated God's heart, the authority he had been given in God's kingdom by demonstrating his power, by healing those he came into contact with. So in the first four books of the New Testament, we see numerous accounts of Jesus meeting people, healing them of skin conditions, bleeding disorders, fits, blindness, deafness and even death. Jesus loved to heal. In Matthew's gospel, chapter four, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus loved to heal. Jesus loves to heal. Healing is not just for Bible times back then. We see God heal now. We have seen healings in our gatherings, in our workplaces, on the streets. Jesus loves to heal. But why? Why does he love to heal? Because he sees what the Father is doing, whose heart is to restore, to heal, to love, and who is moved by compassion and to make it right. There are so many accounts in the Bible, in the Gospels, of Jesus healing children, adults, the poor, the rich, women, men, the outcast and unclean. Jesus did not discriminate who he healed. He saw what his father was doing and he was obedient. We see that there are some who had not met Jesus before, like Jesus healing the bleeding woman and also the dead girl in Luke 8, and then we also see him healing Peter's mother-in-law in Luke 4, someone Jesus already knew being healed by him of her fever. I just love you to just imagine what being with Jesus at that time would have been like. You just wouldn't know what he was going to do next, who he was going to see and heal, who he was going to come, who was going to come out of their homes and he was, who he was going to meet on the road, in the temple, in the crowds, who he would have compassion on and heal them. Jesus loves to heal but I just want to take an aside on a pastoral note so so many of us may have prayed for others or ourselves been prayed for people that we love we've longed we've loved for them to be healed prayed for them to be healed and not seen them healed and there is such disappointment and upset when we don't see that happen So as we look to praying for each other and for those that know Jesus and those that don't know Jesus yet, we can carry the heartache of that, what we haven't seen into the future. And this is where the vineyard theology of the kingdom is really key. The now and the not yet. The now and the not yet. This is so helpful in helping us understand why sometimes people are healed and sometimes they're not. This helps us understand that it isn't because we don't have enough faith or because God doesn't love us, but we live in the tension of the now and the not yet. This is both God's kingdom is already here because Jesus defeated death and he rose again, but also that God's kingdom will only be here in full when he returns. Until then, we live in this tension of Jesus being the victor But the war is still going on, even though we know how the story ends. It's a bit like uh, a picket fence where there's gaps in the fence. So you have a panel, a gap, a panel, a gap. And as we long to see God's kingdom come in all of its goodness, its healing, its fullness, we still live in this tension where we can see God's kingdom, but we also live in the the reality that it's not always here. And for those of you that may have experienced this, we want to say that we see you and that Jesus sees you. The reality that we, so many of us have to deal with struggling with hurt and pain, either for yourself or for someone else, of unanswered prayer. And so I'd just love to just take a moment to pray for you now. So Lord, I just pray now that you will just come and you will meet us now in our homes. Where we have prayed and longed for you to come and meet us. Where we have longed to see healing and not seen it happen. And so God I just pray that you will just come and meet those in their homes. And you will come and bring healing and restoration. And that you will come and give them hope. I just pray this in your name Jesus. Amen. So without meaning to downplay the difficulty of the not yet, we still live in the reality that we also live in the now element of the kingdom too. Just as Jesus demonstrated the kingdom of God by healing, he empowered his disciples, both then and now us disciples, to heal. He loves to partner with us. So many of you may be thinking, oh, that's great, Anna, for those over there with a healing gift. This isn't me. I can't do it. But everyone gets to play. We all get to play our part in demonstrating God's kingdom. Jesus believes we can. So in John 14, 12, he says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the father. He doesn't say those I have gifted or those that are super holy or even the saints. No, he says, whoever believes in me. So if you believe in Jesus, he is talking to you. Even greater things than these. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure what greater things he could be talking about. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He turned some tap water into the best wine. And he multiplied food for thousands with just one simple prayer. If Jesus says we can do greater things than these, then I'm in. And as someone who loves and believes in him will do the works that he's been doing. But I don't know about you, but praying for someone for healing is scary, isn't it? It's easier when it's maybe easier when it's somebody that knows Jesus already. But it's absolutely terrifying when they don't. So many questions in my mind. If uh, Will I harm God's reputation if I pray and nothing happens? But he promises us he will be with us in it. Putty Putman wrote a book, Live Like Jesus, and he says this, which I found really helpful. Many of us draw the conclusions that we are not gifted because we have tried to do these things and it has not worked. We have prayed for the sick and we're not healed, or we tried to hear God for others and missed it. Thus, we draw the conclusion we are not gifted and we shelve this kind of ministry for others. Since we have no control over our gifting We step to the back of the line and see supernatural ministry as a calling for others. My experience is that we have understood the situation from the wrong starting point. An inability to heal the sick or prophesy does not indicate a lack of gifting. Rather, it indicates a growth curve in the area of learning to see what the father is doing. The lack is not one of gifting, but of the ability to cooperate well. I love this. As followers of Jesus and learning to live like him, our aim is to do as Jesus did, hearing the Father's voice and being obedient. Not in our own strength, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are empowered by his presence. As we step out into this, he is with us to hear his voice and to be obedient. He loves to heal and he loves to do it with us. So, What's next? Mark, why don't you tell us how to do it?
1: So let me start by saying that what God does in our bodies is it's, it's when he heals us, it's an indication of what he wants to do for our whole lives. So I heard this amazing story recently from Manchester Vineyard and there was a man called Mike and he joined them recently, having encountered a team of their uh, church on the streets and he was involved in crime and gang culture. And his life was quite literally turned upside down by encountering Jesus. At one Sunday service, they spoke about God and physical healing, and they have invited people present to call out medical conditions that they felt God might be moving in uh, during that time. And totally new to this, Mike called out lower back pain and sciatica, which they later realised were conditions he had been suffering with for many years. He received prayer from the children at the church who had been invited to join and pray for the grown-ups and Mike was completely healed from this condition to the extent where he was doing cartwheels around the church to prove it. Um, he literally had his life turned um, upside down by Jesus. And I'm um, in the vineyard our heritage is rooted in exactly this. It's stepping out, taking risks, Praying for the sick, seeing God break in and transform lives. During lockdown, I have watched more than my fair share of TV, and I keep seeing adverts for services that help people to trace their roots, their family tree, their DNA, and people seem to want to know where they're from, because in some way it seems to shape purpose, identity, and helps explain who they who they are. They could have understand more about themselves by looking at their past. And here in the vineyard, our family tree, it stretches throughout church history, but our DNA is rooted in signs and wonders. We are a signs and wonders movement of churches. And if you've ever wondered why we allow space for ministry time at the end of church and why it's so natural, it's because that's our history, that's our lane, that's what we do. Uh, Ministry time is just shorthand for it's time for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the danger is that we restrict the ministry of the Holy Spirit to a time portion at the end of a Sunday service and that you need to be in a church building for God to reach you, touch you, heal you but ministry time, the ministry of the Holy Spirit can happen anywhere at any time. And I've got two brief thoughts about this. Firstly, that ministry is meeting the needs of others with the resources of God. So this is about God. Secondly, Christianity is something you're supposed to do, not only something you're supposed to believe. So we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers too. Uh, James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word, do what it says. Um, A few weeks ago in our morning service in the West on Zoom, we were praying for healing during ministry time and we felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray for chronic illnesses and sicknesses. And so those things that have a long-term health and impact on people's lives. So we were praying for blood disorders, cancers, lumps, bumps. We were just um, going after it all. And whilst we were praying over our screen, uh, we didn't know this, but one of the ladies in our sight put her hand on her back And when she was uh, uh, younger, she had done a lot of gymnastics, which had affected her spine quite badly. And she had what's called a curvature of the spine. And we didn't know, and truth be told, I'm still not entirely sure what a curvature of the spine really is, except to say that it's a visibly curved spine. And she hadn't felt her um, spine through her uh, skin uh, for well over a decade, and it was causing long-term pain and discomfort. And whilst we were praying over this Zoom call, she felt her spine reappear where she hadn't felt it for years. And she turned to her husband. She got him to check. He put his hand on her back. He could feel it and it was back. It was there. Where the spine had uh, disfigured when she was younger, it was healed. It had straightened and he could feel it as well. That's over a decade of pain wiped out in just a moment, thanks to a Jesus who loves to heal. We have prayed for people in coffee shops, sweet shops, whilst holding a pint um, a glass in a pub, around a fire pit, we prayed on doorsteps over Instagram, over the dinner table, we've been sat on the floor in lounges chatting and praying for people, sometimes in a school playground, and definitely in church. And from a practical perspective, what I've found helpful is recognising that we function and we kind of operate a lot like midwives. That means that we help with what is already naturally happening. So a good midwife helps the natural birth process by keeping the mother safe, comfortable and also informed. A midwife is most effective when she doesn't get in the way and merely facilitates what's naturally already occurring. We need to understand that to work with the Holy Spirit we must operate as midwives of the Holy Spirit. And these spirit midwives simply help people to receive from God in the ministry time. They give the control over to God, and they are just the helpers. To break it down further, I've noticed that midwifing is more caught than taught. It's about hanging out with Jesus and hanging out with people who do this sort of stuff and love it. It's about making yourself available to Jesus. It's recognising that we need to leave room for Jesus and to be ourselves. We don't need to change who we are when we're doing this, but we step into who God is asking us to be and what he's asking us to do. It can be awkward, but the awesome is in the awkward. The more space we leave, the more um, opportunities we're giving God to work. And I think I would just say, take the pressure off yourself because our responsibility is obedience and God's is to move. Um, Years ago, I heard Mike Archie say that obedience is God's love language and then when we're obedient we need to pay attention to what the Spirit's doing and to help explain it to the person that we're praying for. Simple explanations must accompany experience. I found that so helpful. Just walking them through and talking them through what's happening. And when we step out in risk, I found that using something called the five-step healing model gives me a really helpful framework that I can follow and revert back to when I need it. And this isn't a formula for success or a blueprint for guaranteed healing, but instead it helps to give us way markers to kind of identify and guide us through this ministry time. Like when you're walking the countryside and you're looking for the next directional way marker for your path. This is all that is. It's five directional way markers to help you know your route. And it's worth saying that these steps aren't just for inside the church, but you may find that you have less time outside the church. So practice in church so that you know the markers for outside the church. Now, firstly, uh, you might have a question about how you introduce this on the streets. How do you get into the conversation and that point where you are preparing to kind of offer prayer? Well, here are some of the introductory phrases which I found really helpful, or friends of mine have used and found really helpful. They might say things like, hi, I'm practicing praying for people. Would you mind if I practiced on you? It's a good one. How about, I'm trying to learn how to pray for people. And then it's, it takes that pressure off as well. And I have one friend who says, if God could do one miracle in your life, what would it be? And then they then offered to pray off the back of that. Maybe it might be, oh, I notice you have a sore leg, arm, back. Is it okay if I pray for you? Those sorts of things, but it has to sound like you and you have to be comfortable with that. So there's five steps to this. The first one is the interview. Like, what do you need Jesus to do for you? And personally, I would say hi, I would introduce myself, and I would ask their name. And I'd ask them, what do you want Jesus to do for you? Just as Jesus um, did himself in Matthew 20, where, you know, like, what do you want me to do for you? Like, you want to be asking things like, where does it hurt? Or, what would you like me to pray for? And all this time, you're listening to the Holy Spirit. You need to get the information from them, but you don't need a medical history. You don't need their their life's uh, rundown of the kind of aches and pains. Um, Right now, in this moment, you're not a GP or a counsellor or mentor or coach. There is a time and a place for that, but it's not this moment. The medical history doesn't actually help us per se. They just need to tell us where it hurts. Then you just wrap up that bit once you know what the cause is of the condition, whether it's natural, supernatural, emotional, sin, or when God has told you what to do. Then you move on to step two. And step two is diagnostic, like why does this person have this condition? So this is down to the Holy Spirit speaking to you, plus you discerning whether it's emotional, spiritual, demonic, or physical cause. Like natural might be something like they've contracted an illness, a disease, they've hurt themselves, they've fallen off a ladder, something like that. Maybe it's uh, sin might have been involved, maybe they have committed a sin, or maybe sin has been committed against them. Maybe it's emotional, uh, because sometimes emotions can also cause um, physical pain. Maybe it's social, maybe they are, are harbouring kind of a, a lack of forgiveness perhaps or it might be supernatural, it might be the demonic. And so your step two is, why does this person have this condition? And then you move on to step three. See, these are very fast moving steps. The the third one is prayer, like how should I pray? What kind of prayer would I need to help me in this situation? Firstly, I'd encourage you uh, to just kind of say, is it okay if I lay a hand a hand on you. Uh, Mark sixteen eighteen says they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And also Jesus, um, when he came to Bethsaida, uh, people brought a blind man to him and begged Jesus to touch him. There is something that that Jesus modelled and his disciples then carried on about laying hands on sick people. Of course, during COVID, we're not laying hands on people um, because we are loving people by keeping our distance, and that's how we're loving. Um, Our neighbours in this season, but that doesn't restrict God. Even when we're in different locations, a few months ago on um, our Zoom morning service, um, we had a sense uh, from God that He wanted to to do something around hearing, and so we spoke that out during ministry time. And as we were praying for ears and hearing and healing, one man he uh, leaned forward, he uh, unmuted himself, and he was like. Are you speaking louder? Have you changed something? Are you doing something different? The reason he said this is that um, he he had had uh, really bad hearing problems, and whilst we were praying, he had a clarity of hearing that he hadn't had before. And that was one of two ear healings that Sunday over Zoom. And we weren't present, uh, just as Jesus wasn't with the centurion's daughter, but the Holy Spirit is always present, willing to reveal his presence when we can there needs to be an appropriate placing of hands so we've always said men pray for men women pray for women and that's just really helpful especially if the root cause might be emotional physical it could be embarrassing we have to be sensitive and we have to be kind and men pray for men women pray for women and then just place your hand where it hurts so if it's a sore back place your hand on the back Um, if it's a headache put your hand on the head Um, if it's something more personal and intimate a shoulder always does just fine Um, and I just think that's that's part of, of just making it, just dialing it down and making it really uh, helpful and accessible. And then there's three types of prayer that we use. There's there's petition, there's intercessory prayer, and there's prayer from God. And we use these in the following ways. We might say, come Holy Spirit, that we're kind of asking the, the Spirit's presence. Um, and then the intercessory prayer is we're praying on behalf On behalf of the person Lord we ask you to come and heal in the name of Jesus and then we also then might speak to the pain and condition with authority and so we wrap those three prayers up into different parts of our ministry time and we work through and we learn and we customize which prayers are most useful for different scenarios then step four is the assessment like what's happening how are we doing so one of the ways that you know and you can track how it's going is you keep your eyes open. I'm In the vineyard we say we worship with our eyes shut and we pray with our eyes open. And the reason is we're watching for signs of what the Holy Spirit might be doing. And ministry should always be happening whilst we're looking for uh, what might be happening on a person's body. Maybe they're shaking, maybe there's a certain part of them that's flushing with colour or heat. Um, We don't see the holy spirit we see the effects of the holy spirit upon a person so at one of our uh, I'm all in gatherings uh, a couple of years ago i was praying for a person and i was stood to their left and i was praying for them side on and their kind of ear turned bright r- bright red and i thought maybe they're blushing or they're hot and so i checked their side uh, to um, see if both of their ears were heart blushing, just like I was watching, I was like, "What's the Holy Spirit doing? Like, what might be changing about this person whilst we're praying?" And one ear was red, and one ear was not, and it had changed colour whilst we were praying. And I was like, "God, what, what, what's going on here? What is happening about this?" And He said to me, "This person needs to be listening to my voice because right now they're ignoring it." And I was like, "Okay," and so. Uh, Whilst praying, I just said, listen, I just get a sense from God that maybe he's trying to get your attention, that maybe he's trying to talk to you, and you're perhaps just not carving out space to listen. Um, And he really just wants you to listen to his voice. It It was something around that, kind, pastoral, wasn't a telling off. And this person laughs, and he's like, you're absolutely right, I've been really busy, and I know he's been wanting to talk to me, but I've just not carved out that space. And this is just one of those indications that because of his ear, it tells you how to pray for a person, it shows you how to partner with the Holy Spirit. And put your hands there, so maybe there's heat um, uh, upon a certain part of their body. That just means that power is going in there, and so pray there. You know, watch for the heat, feel for the signs, um, like the kind of eyes, perhaps different uh, flashing is worth saying that what they think is for healing is not always what you're meant to be praying for and so without seeing and without speaking it out we're not midwifing what God is doing we can miss it we can be so focused on our best joined up prayers that we miss what God is doing when it's right in front of us we sometimes pray and I've watched people they say Lord show us that you're here and then they shut their eyes and they miss it I think as we respond to um, what the Holy Spirit is doing, and when we see people responding, we see the purpose of, the, the purpose of ministry time upon that person. Don't, don't forget that it's not always about healing. It's quite very often that the healing is an indication of what God wants to do with that person. So continue to listen to the, the Holy Spirit and go back to steps two and three if necessary. Then the final step is how do I finish? So, firstly, has the Holy Spirit finished? Like, has it dried up? Has it finished? Has it reached a nat- 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 natural end? Has the person kind of indicated that ministry is open, uh, that the ministry is over, that they've kind of opened their eyes perhaps, or they've kind of begun to look up, or like move around as if they're ready to move on? Have you run out of prayers? Then, just affirm the person, encourage them, kind of ask them how it's going. Like, maybe it was hurting before, how is it now? Like, what's changed, what's happened? Tell them to read their Bibles, to go to small group, to hang out with people who love Jesus. When they've had a healing, and when they're saying they've had a healing, and especially when it's a serious healing, tell them to not stop taking their medication unless their doctor says they can and so send them to the doctors uh, because the doctor will verify this we're not trying to hide anything we're like go and get some help because we believe in healing from god we also believe and we love in medical professionals and scientists and people that god has given that gift to and so we believe in both the natural and the supernatural but the natural can confirm what god has done through the supernatural Maybe they might need further ministry or help or maybe some counselling perhaps. It might be time to pass those people on to a pastor or to a person with slightly more experience. And I think what you'll find is that prayers in church can be more leisurely and sustained, whereas on the streets you have way less time. But don't forget that God isn't limited by our time or by our shortened prayers. Remember, just get up and walk. You know, short prayers work. Signs and wonders are an invitation from God to join with him in transforming bodies and lives in advancing the kingdom. So just to finish, just imagine what would happen if in the North, Central and West sites across South Wales, there were trained, equipped, bold and courageous disciples who partnered with the Holy Spirit to see the kingdom come. Just imagine if people knew that Jesus was where you could get healing and be relieved of the burden of sin. When God heals, he's quite, quite often giving you a sign that what he has done for part of you physically, he wants to do for your whole life. He does this in a moment and he uses us. This is our hope and dream as a church, restoring the city, renewing the nation, partnering with God as he rewrites the story of people's lives, one life at a time. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come. Come in every house, every home, every household, every lounge, dining room, bedroom, where people are watching. I just encourage you guys just to put your hands out to receive. And part of when we put our hands out, we're posturing ourselves to receive from God. We're saying, I'm willing to receive. And so we just commission you. And we just pray a blessing of God upon you for boldness and courage and possibilities and invitation. We pray that the voice of God would be louder in your life and that you would know him right now as you begin to step out in risk and faith and obedience, loving the city, loving your community, loving South Wales. Amen.